0: I wore an oversized sweater today, and I am am su- sweating my praise out. Come on, somebody high-five your neighbor and be like, you're sweating, it's cool. It's not sweat, it's glow. It's your glowing. Pastor Aaron told me one time, I'm Pastor Corey, by the way, come and meet us. We'd love to meet you, love to see your kids. And um, This Pastor Aaron, isn't she lovely? Why is the whole... Yeah. Hey. Were guys cheering for that too? I know, I put you in a weird place, but... Yeah, we need some people in the front row. Who are we missing? Yeah, get some like praisers and stuff up. Get some ameners in the front row. All right. I sweat I sweat when I worship. I sweat when I preach. Um, Pastor Aaron told me one time, she doesn't sweat, she glows. We got any glowers in the house? Yeah, it's good to glow when we worship a bit. Um, we're in our series Church in the Wild. Uh, today, I, I'm preaching a sermon called Church Blueprints, which is going to be like really direct if you come from church culture. If you don't, you're just like, oh, this is great. Like, just tell me how things work uh, around here, and we will. Um, but um, our Church in the Wild series is coming to an end. I'm preaching a series next called Franken and Jesus. Oh, yeah, you're cheering, and some of you are like, why am I cheering for that? That sounds weird. Um, anyways, I'm not going to tell you about it. Now you're all curious. You're like, oh. Now I want to see what he preaches about that. So um, we have some exciting things coming up. We have a new sound system that you've already paid for that we've been waiting on for one year. and it's finally, in like a month or so, I think that should be in, or whatever that is. Um, yeah. Um, we're also going to three services, October 15th. October 15th. three services. 8:30. <laughs> you know who's going to be at the 8:30? Parents with small kids, because they're up anyways. Jesus might as well just take them to church. Uh, 8.30, uh, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. Somebody said, like, oh, good, you're changing the last service time a little later, because I need to sleep in on Sundays. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out for you. Um, also, we have a baptism coming up. Here's what I would say about baptism. Don't wait till you're ready. It's not about you being ready. Um, It's about you being obedient, but you also need to know what you're getting into Because jesus wants to be your savior and your lord and you're committing to both And so until jesus is lord, you know, there's so many things that just aren't going to happen in your life If you want some information about that go to the brick wall Also for those of you who have signed up on baptism and we got a lot of you You got to sign up for your dang videos It's like herding cats getting you to do your baptism. look There's two ways we can do it. We can put you in trunks in here and you can talk in front of everybody. <laughs> or you can just shoot your baptism video and it's a lot easier. So uh, on behalf of Jesse and Crystal, sign up for your dang videos, let's go. It's, uh, you'll never have a better opportunity to tell somebody about the faith that you found and tell somebody about your relationship. That's where you invite all your friends and family. Cause look, if they love you, they may not love Jesus, but if they love you and you love Jesus, like, psychologically, all right. Um, Venue was about a six-year-old church. Sean and Nassia came with us. About 30 people came with us here. And we came with a blueprint. We came with two things. We came with vision and we came with unity. And we had to fight for it. And like a a church plant is like starting a small business that you ask people to come and fund for you and work for free for you. And the devil tries to kill you the entire time and tries to kill your team. So like, it's sort of like that, but a lot worse. And, um, but we came and, uh, you know, it was traumatic, but look at what the Lord has done in six short years. We're very grateful. And I'm going to show you the blueprint that we're working off of for how we do church. So all the, blue, all the trauma in my life right now, Tuesday morning. Okay. So where's Katie? My third girl, Katie, she's back there. She took her driver's test. You got any dads, any dads with daughters in here? I mean, you want to talk about, oh, uh, it's coming, Dallas. I will counsel you through it. I was, you know, I can spy on all my kids with Google, whatever, or whatever that is. And I'm like watching her drive through the town of Crossfield and my blood pressures. I just put my head down and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, just all the stuff I'm dealing with. This is the only thing I care about right now. Please. Those tests are so expensive. (laughs) All right. um, Church blueprints. Thank you, Sean. There's a church across the street called hillside church and i don't i don't know if anybody has been there i'm always working here in this church but hillside church is led by a a pastor named brad and brad is a great is a great man of god i love pastor brad in fact we love all the churches in our in our city they're actually going to two services uh, because they're getting full and so that's awesome and so we're like great cheers on of like we sell ice cream we all sell ice cream and ours is just like caramel, co- or caramel coffee like is it the best ice cream yeah but he's selling coconut ice cream and you know what that's great ice cream too so but if we tried to build this church off of his blueprint that God gave him for that church it wouldn't work And um, and vice versa, if he took our blueprint and tried to build off of it, it wouldn't work and it probably wouldn't reach the people that we're called to reach and the other way around. So I'm going to talk today about church blueprints. Um, And let me just go into this here. Society wants you to. There's two kinds of blueprints. There's like a life blueprint. And if you came in here and you're new to church, you don't understand God has a blueprint for your life. And it's the only one historically that has ever worked. In the human race Now society is like Hey just pick and choose Just There's um There's not just one crazy blueprint You can build off of There's 50 yeah. <clears throat> Who's kids in the public system right now okay. Well there's like 50 crazy blueprints And they're like Hey just mesh them all together And just do whatever Like looks I'm, I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about Um Then you get two pages into The blue Cause God has a wonderful plan for your life And so does the devil And so do a lot of people But it's not wonderful They just got a plan And so, but you dig two pages down into society's current blueprint right now, and you're like, you start looking at it, and that's why a lot of you are in church. You start looking at it, and you're like, this isn't crayon. Are you just drawing this right now? Like, you didn't spell check this. That doesn't even look like a a house anymore. If you let anybody other than God blueprint your house for you, it's not going to be a house you're going to want to live in. Because God knows you, and God designed you. And so, you know, I come from the trades world, so I was uh, an electrician. And in the building world, you know what you do to evaluate the blueprint that you're working off of, you just go and visit the architect or the engineer's last building. And I feel like right now our society is like, if, if, if we have the nerve to like look at the last, we're just like, um, but the buildings are falling down. You know, talk to somebody 20 years from now with society's blueprint and see if they're happy or somebody who's been doing it for 20 years. And so, um, there's more I want to get into with that. You know, in our in our small group, um, Pastor Aaron and I uh, are helping lead a small group here on Wednesday nights. Probably, probably the best, probably the best small group. If you're new to church, come on out to our small group first. You'll get invited by a lot of other people. But I mean, really, um, we're always competitive here, so I don't know why that is, but it just is. Um, But Pastor Aaron said, she quoted D.L. Moody and she said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. So so I feel like a lot of us in in the world today are are building off of all these crazy blueprints. But at the end of your life, you know, when you're on your hospital bed and you're taking your last breath, are you going to be happy with the, because I feel like God is like, why'd you build that? You spent all this time and all this resource and all this energy building something that didn't work out for you doesn't glorify me is not what I told you to build what I would have supplied for you to build and you just build something that everybody told you you ought to build well let's build according to how we were designed and how uh, God wants us to build so um, so Wednesday at 7 o'clock we have this thing called First Wednesday the first Wednesday of every month we, that. we always pack the building out. it's like a night of worship and prophetic teaching and more ministry time than we can do on a Sunday morning but that's where we sometimes peel the blueprint back a few layers of the church and uh, you kind of get you grow quicker, and you, and you get a little stronger in your faith there, because I can go a little deeper than I can go on Sunday mornings. But Here's what I want to say. I think what the enemy is trying to sell you right now is not a blueprint, but like a jigsaw puzzle. So, you know, jigsaw puzzles, that's those things with those pieces, right? Okay, so, so you get these pieces of puzzles. Now, why would you buy something as broken that they broke so you could put back together? And then when you're done, you break it and put it back in the box. And- so the devil invented jigsaw puzzles and made cats. Some of you are new here, you don't understand how I feel about cats. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, cat family. Um, I've tried putting a piece in a, a jigsaw puzzle one time, because people with my patience levels don't. But Pastor Erin, she's like one of those weird people that she can tell she'll do these. Um, They got outlawed in our home actually for a few years until she could get her addiction under control. (laughs) So our kids were little and I'm like, the kids are hungry. She's like, you know, her hair's grown over her face. She'd been there for like three days over Christmas. I'm like, hi, oh. Poke her with a stick and be like, are we? are you under there? So anyways. So we got it under control now, but one time I went to a jigsaw puzzle on the table and I knew that if I just put one piece in, it would just mess up her life. And so I'm like, I take there, I stood there for like, it was five or 10 minutes. I stood there and I'm like, "Uh, uh." and then I finally just put it in a spot and went. I watched her do a a jigsaw puzzle with her her mom and her sister one time. And uh, they were reaching for pieces and slapping each other's hands. Because jigsaw puzzle is a sport, apparently. <laughs> a contact sport. Here's the thing. I think the, the enemy is trying to get you to piece your life together with like a little bit out of here and a little bit out of here and like trying to get you to make, make it look like some weird cover picture. But, but there's no plumbing in a jigsaw puzzle. Who cares how good it looks to everybody else? You can't live in a jigsaw puzzle because it's not an actual building. It's not like dimensional in a in a way that you can actually live in and be nurtured in and reach your destiny in and serve like and so what what happens is, you know, we got some plumbers in the church, because plumbers can go to church too. The electrician, we got a whole thing going on. Um but this is what I feel like society is doing right now. They're like, they're giving you a cover picture of like, wouldn't, it, wouldn't this be nice? God's like, hey, that's not what I, I it's, it's okay. And it looks kind of cool. But then you dig a couple pages down and it's just like crayons and a jigsaw puzzle. And you're like, there's no plumbing on this print. And there's like no electricity. This is what I feel we're doing right now. We're hanging all the lights, but we didn't put any wires in the wall and we're not hooked up to the Holy Spirit that could power it. And then everybody's wandering around with a candle to the outhouse. And God's like, whoa. Outhouses, people. Camping. Can I talk about camping? My grandpa was a pioneer, so I wouldn't have to. That's all I'm going to say. Give me one of those holiday trailers that's got, like, everything in it, though, and I'm good. Why? To honor my grandpa. Okay. (laughs) You can't build a, a family home on ideas and on a picture if a few layers down, the blueprint's not right. Or you're trying to piece together different blueprints for different things. You can't become a better parent by doing that. You can't raise good teenagers that bring something to society instead of taking, you know. You can't run your finances from this idea of what you want. But I know that, that no matter how good it looks to your neighbors, it doesn't matter when the sewage backs up. And I feel like what God, God is more concerned about, like the, the sewage, like, hey, once this gets out let's get the sin out of your life. Let's cause no matter how it looks, it doesn't matter if everything's not working properly. So, so, and, and the church comes under fire because the church comes under fire right now because our biblical worldview is like one print. And that really annoys people. Let me tell you why. Cause we're looking across the street at the dumpster fire and we're like, do you want us to call the fire truck or are you guys going to call it? And they're like, we don't need it. We're not on fire. I'm like, you're on fire. And the sewage is on fire. Like, It's going to get worse. Here's, here's a question I would ask. Because sometimes people try to bring their life blueprint into the church when God has a blueprint for your life. But can I ask you this? Like, can I, can I ask if you would swap your blueprint with God's blueprint today? Why did you come to church? Because it was working out there? Go ahead and try to be honest. Like, church people can't do If it was working out there, you wouldn't be here. If you could find purpose out there, You wouldn't be here. If you could find anything out there like hope and joy. Like if you're so happy with your sexuality out there, why do you care what the church thinks? People always come to me because I'm a pastor like, tell me God made me this way. I'm like, God made you angry? I'm like, look, if it's working, you don't care what anybody thinks. You don't care what this group thinks about you if your life is happy and it's, but because unhappy people are jealous of happy people, but rather than do what happy people do, they just try to make them miserable because they just want a little company. Okay. This postmodernism and the sexual revolution, you know, the church is like the fire extinguisher. Is like, do you guys want us to put that out for you? Or like, are you just going to stop, drop, and roll forever? You know, it doesn't work. It doesn't fill the human soul. Why? For two reasons, because they didn't make you They didn't design you and make you and create you and see you when you were in your mother's womb. The Bible says this about God. He made you. He created you. And he also can see tomorrow. So nobody else can do that. Anyways, let me get into this. Because people look at venues sometimes and they're like, wow, venue's been a a great success. And I think that it has. Um, I think as long as one person that should be here isn't here, you know. I've been preaching about this like the lost sheep we're kind of obsessed about it so we're never really going to be okay about that but sometimes people look, look at me and here's the funny thing they're like you must be a brilliant leader and I always kind of like laugh a little <laughs> now you don't know what to do like, we should tell him oh you're brilliant but then he'd get then he'd get proud and yeah thank you I appreciate you too <laughs> You know, the staff told me, you got to tell the church that you pray a lot. So once people are like, oh, you must be a brilliant leader. I'm like, I always think it's funny because it's not like I'm I'm stupid, I don't think. But that's not why church works. This is why church works. Because every morning before 8 o'clock when I get to the office, I've prayed three times. And I'm like, God, what do you think we should do today? What is the way to do that? And our church is broken into two pieces, into vision and into unity. Um, and I'm just going to kind of walk, walk us through this right now, that that vision, vision is kind of singular. Vision for your life. You need to have a focus. Like if you're married and you don't have the same vision, it's going to be hard to get to the same place, right? Because then all of your arguments are going to be about like, what I thought that we were going here and I thought that we were going there. You can give up a lot when you're on mission, but you got to have a mission that's like common. If you don't and, and you're like, you're a believer married to an unbeliever, like we'll pray and we'll see, watch God change hearts. But you know, it's, it's hard when the vision isn't the same vision. And so there's vision and then there's unity. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. So right now in society, there's like 50 visions, which is called division, but none of it's like God's vision. So where there's the the people are perishing, which is what was happening to you until you come in here. then you're like, Oh my goodness, something's working. Right And so where there's no vision, the people perish. And where there's no unity, there's no anointing. And the the word of God says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil. It says the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the thing that made you a slave, the chains of sin. Anointing sets you free. So where there's no vision, people perish. And when there's no unity, and unity only begins where agreement ends. Where there's no unity, there's no breaking off of the bonds of sin that keep you down. So vision and unity. So our iPods are... um, We have playbooks for every area of of ministry that I had to write down that are like, here's our playbooks. Now they change every now and again. Um, Like our imperatives, our preferences. Uh, You need to come to pizza with pastors and then we'll get you onto a team and you'll get the iPods. Um, So go to the seven-minute party and get signed up for that. Once a month we do that. And so... Imperatives, preferences, optionals. We're like, yeah, we don't care if you wear a white shirt on stage or a black shirt on stage. And then the do-nots. But definitely don't come on stage with bare feet. Because we know that you think you connect with Jesus better, but nobody else will. So, do not come on. Okay. Um, Now, let me, can I just get into church models a little bit? Because every every result that a church or that a life is getting or family is getting is based on the blueprint they're building off of and how well they execute it. So it's not just you can have a perfect blueprint, but if you don't execute it right, which I think our church is great at, is executing that blueprint. But if you don't execute it, it doesn't matter what the blueprint is and what the cover picture is. You're never going to get there because you're not actually executing it <laughs> properly. So can I talk a little about my building background maybe? But Now, board-run churches feel safe to sheep. That's when you put a, a – we have a director's board, but when you put the director's board in charge of the pastor and in charge of everything, it feels she- safe to sheep. And I'll just explain this because – In in a congregational run church, the congregation, for you to hire me in, I'd have to come and preach for you. And if you liked it, you'd hire me in. So it's like, I guess I'll serve you ice cream so that I get voted into office. But then when I got to serve you like vegetables, you might not like that. And maybe I'll get voted out, right? So you vote in the board and the board votes in the pastor or the congregation votes in the pastor. But then it also gets unvoted based on a whole lot of things in my experience. And I've studied church culture quite a bit in, in our nation um, but here's one of the reasons why board run churches as opposed to leader run led churches and biblically speaking a board run church in that sense where the board can hire and fire the pastor. Now I can, I'm going to explain our setup here because we do have a director's board. Somebody is offsite pastor Q from experience church. He's the executive pastor. He's offsite another church. He looks over all of our finances. He's brilliant in that space and hiring and all the things that we need to do as a church. Future stuff. Pastor Nate sits on that board as oversight from my Pastor Peter. And he is oversight. He can come and change anything he wants anytime he wants to. Like, here's my personal finances. Like, do whatever you just correct us, do whatever you need to. Um, there, and then we have some on site members here that are a part of that. So, but I can get voted out, but I can't get voted out because you don't like that my hoodie is cool. I can't get voted out because I preached about money. I can't get voted out because I preached about marriage and told you to forgive your dad, you know. So I can get voted out if I, like, steal the money or sleep with somebody's spouse who's not my spouse. Okay? So, like, for moral issues, moral reasons, right? And so, but not because. Now, here's why a board-run church feels safer. And I'm just going to challenge that model because I don't think that it's a biblical model. I just think it's a traditional model. That because you've been doing it forever just feels like it's. You know, New Testament, but it's really you know, it's, and so here's, here's the problem is that David said, your rod and your staff come for me so David, when his heart's in a good place and he's a sheep in the sight of God he's like, oh, I like correction and I like discipline, but sheep that's a rare sheep that really enjoys that so I'd rather put a bigger sheep in charge of me because they can't really, their little paws or whatever, what do sheep have? They can't really hold the rod and the staff, hooves yeah, right, hooves I'm a farmer or whatever. <laughs> you can't really hold the rod and staff. You can't, like, like, get a little, like, hey, come back here. You know what I'm saying? They can make suggestions, but they can't really, like, smack you a little bit and be like, bro, talk nice to your wife. And so and so, what happens is they, they tend to, a board-run church tends to hire a, a managerial type in who's, like, pastoral, kind. I'm going to describe all the things I'm not. Well, I'm kind. Okay, I'm kind, but not nice, maybe. Let's put it that way, like. Like, oh, this hurts a little bit. I'm like, I'm I'm being kind. I'm like, nobody likes getting tackled out of the way of a truck that's coming. It's kindness, but I'll pick you up and like, you okay? You doing okay? (laughs) I feel like my job is that, you know, Airdrie people don't know how to drive. So here's what I feel like my job is. (laughs) Like you pull up to a stoplight when the light is green and you're you're turning and you don't have a green arrow, get your dang vehicle out there. Because I got to go too. And like jam as many in there as you can. I don't know what's legal or not, but like they're not going to stop you right there. And my job is sometimes like it's green, like this is what I want to do. <laughs> this is what I do sometimes. <laughs> I feel like my, my sermons are like, hey, you know, you're walking in with a blueprint, and you walk in with a church blueprint that's not this church blueprint. I just want like I wanna like it's <laughs> <and start> like <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm taking way too long here. Um <laughs> Here's our building code. You want to hear our building code? It's right on the website. We believe in Jesus as he is, not as we'd like him to be. Okay, or create a Franken-Jesus, and, and this is why we create Franken-Jesus, the next series. Franken-Jesus can't actually save you, because he's just like a little bit of Jesus and a lot of you and a bunch of corpses and rotting things that you kind of put together from wherever you found them. And so Franken-Jesus is like, you know, like, Franken-Jesus, should I sleep with my boyfriend and we're not married? And Franken-Jesus and is like... Ugh. You're like, okay. Like, Frank and Jesus, should I give money or should I keep it? Mm. I'll take that as I'll keep it. You know, Frank and Jesus, should I forgive my dad? Mm. All right. Number two, Jesus saves people. Everything we do revolves around it. Everything we do revolves around the saving of a life by Jesus. And if that's not, we don't even want to talk about it. We don't want. We don't care. We don't, we don't spend money on things that don't save people. This is what we do. Um, we keep it simple. This one's just more of a cultural piece. We don't apologize for not doing everything. Like, hey, can we have a ministry that you know, feeds ducks in, I don't know. I'm like, I don't care about ducks. But sometimes, you know, we get all sorts of suge- suggestions, normally by people who haven't come yet. Do you care about puppies and whatever? I'm like, I guess, but that's not what we're called to save puppies in Somalia, you know, or like, I don't know, but we're here to save people in our city. Like, so we've we got to, you know, and we keep it simple because I'm a simple guy. We don't get too complicated. We're just letting you know, like, we're, it's not going to get too complicated because I think you run out of effectiveness pretty quick. We have candid conversations. So this is where we kind of start dispelling some of that church gossip that you might have grown up in. Is are like, okay, you can say it, but then the next person gets to say it, and then somebody gets to referee it. Yeah, yeah. Careful. <laughs> you know, like, okay. Um, we take risks. Now, if you are not a risk-taking person, you are in the right church. We will show you how to take some risks. L- listen, listen. I'm going to tell you. We're not going to lose. But we're going to lose some skin. But we're not going to lose. Why? Because I hate losing I hate the thought that my city is not going to come to Jesus. I can't live in that world, and neither can you because you come here. All right. We take risks. Number six, our church is specifically designed around our vision. It might not be for everyone, and we're okay with that. Now, this drives church people crazy, like, (sighs) we're not building the thing you came in with. We're, We're just not, we don't, God didn't tell us to. And so there's another church, like, here's what I would say, like, we're not a liturgical church. Meaning if you connect with God, that's the only way you connect with God. This is the wrong church for you. We don't do anything long enough to become traditional. So if you love that and the rituals and the rites, I know people that do. I have a friend who's a Russian Orthodox, whatever they are, priest. I'm like, if I could just, if you could send me your preaching getup for a Sunday, that'd be awesome. And one of my pastor friends heard me like, you, did you call it a preaching getup? I'm like, well, I'm like, he can have mine. I'll trade him. Anyways. But like, I'm like, it's great. We'll work with you, but that's not us. You know, um, we love and honor people. We don't gossip. We don't, we have a zero tolerance for gossip. Take your problems up. If you're not taking them up, if you take them sideways and down, you don't want it fixed. You just want to complain. We don't gossip here at all, ever. If anybody catches it, you know, hears it, call it like, no, that's not, take your problem up. Um, number eight. And I have no idea why we haven't put this in number one, because it's literally our statement on everything. A life saved is worth everything. How are we six years old and we haven't fixed that yet? (laughs) Fix that. How is this, like, in number eight? Okay, number nine, we do life together. And number 10, real boats rock. We're not a cruise ship. So, like, don't come in here and be like, ah, my drink is too cold. The music is too loud. It's great, but we're not, like, on a vacation deck here with, can I feed you, can I chew your shrimp for you? You know, like what, what, what would make you feel good? We're like, hey, we are trying to save you. We are trying to get you on the path of God for your life. This is a war. This is called a sword. Let's go get your neighbor out of sin. All right. Now, let me talk about like what happens when you have more than one vision, church? Die vision, right? So the youth team, they've been on me for forever to be like, hey, we have a vision for a water slide because, you know. in the blueprint that we built for the church. And I'm like, Anthony, we're not building a water slide. He's like, well, we need a water slide. You don't care about teenagers? I'm like, we do, but we care about the walls and we're not building a water, take them to a water slide. We're not building a water slide. So I wrote up the youth iPods with the vision of the the youth iPods because we can't have more than one vision. You know, somebody comes in and like, I have a vision of this for worship. We're like, that's great, but we don't care. We have a vision. You want to get on board with this vision? Because it's kind of working, you know, but this is not a place where like we think you have a gift and a call of God, but there can only be one vision that God gives. And so when there's no vision and no unity, it erupts into politics. Now, if you don't come into church, you're like, oh, there's no such thing as church politics. (laughs) The only thing worse than church politics is hockey politics (laughs) and figure skating and dance politics. You know what I'm talking about. Church politics erupts into power plays, and this does not amuse God. Who does not go to heaven? Who doesn't get to go to heaven because we're playing politics in church instead of saving people? We don't have time for that. We don't care about that. We don't make power plays in the house of the all-powerful one. We believe that he is supposed to tell us what to do. We're supposed to execute it. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that every decision we make is right. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Um, Committee is not a word that we use. I just don't like that word. To me, a committee is something you form when you don't want to do anything. You just want to talk about maybe doing something. And we (laughs) form teams that have done the thing that the committee met for the first time to talk about. We've done it four times. And we're like, yeah, that doesn't work. Or it does work. And we've, I'm just letting you know how we, we're mission oriented. We're movement oriented. You know, when when leadership in a church moves too slowly, everybody picks up like a low grade unhappiness that eventually turns into kind of like a hostility with their own like, oh, I think we did this. We could fix it. You know, I mean, Neil knows this from like job sites. If you don't keep people moving, then everybody starts getting this low grade, like, well, I don't know. I'm just kind of not happy. Well, movement kills 50% of politics out of the gates. And the other thing that kills it is our culture, which hates politics. We're like, just tell us what to do, you know, like, anyways. Um, We create early clarity to clear the log jams of things sometimes. So the team leads come back to me like um, Tammy. She's, She's probably serving in kids right now. She came back and said, should we do a Halloween event at the church? like at the church on Halloween night. And I'm like, not if, if the premise is just to get the light and the kids and the Christians out of the city. Here's, here's what I said to her. I said, I don't want to create an event for Christian kids who hiss at Halloweeners because their parents are like, oh, you got to be afraid of the five-year-old little girl dressed like a witch. I'm like, or you could invite her to venue kids. You know, so I'm like, don't, we don't want to take the light out of the city and put them all in here in a safe little Christian bubble. I don't want that. I want to reach the kids out there. So what we'll do is an event. I can't remember where it's happening this year. We'll give like hot chocolate and candy and invite to church. And I'm like, serve the best candy and get these kids. We're not afraid of five-year-old witches. We serve the living God. We're trying to convert. It's just a church people problem. If you don't know, like we just know people like turn off the lights off, hide in the basement, hiss at the people out there. Like they're called humans. They're called people. We're supposed to reach them. Um, I'm taking too long here, but I think you're enjoying it. So we're a high challenge, high fun envi- uh, environment, but we're also like, we tighten the screws. We have unified vision, constant alignment. We own our mistakes. We move on. We don't take 30 hours of conversation for a 30 second conversation. Like, Hey, I screwed that up. That's on me. I'll fix it. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get like a, a, a survey after the worship saying like, did you enjoy the worship, <laughs> you know? Worship is not something that sheep ought to be sitting there like evaluating. Oh, the bass is too loud. This is too quiet. I don't like the lights are in my eyes. The lights are not in my eyes. You know, I hope you figured out we're not here worshiping you. So you don't get the survey. Worship is to evaluate you in the sight of God. The preaching is like, I don't like the sermon at all. You know, because I'm making fun of church people. You know who loves that? Unchurch people. That's why I do it. And it's good because I'm trying to offend in church people, explain this to the unchurch people. I'm trying to offend the inner Pharisee in you that forgets that you're a sinner just like everybody else and thinks that you've got no problems and thinks that you're doing God a favor. I'm like, whoa, whoa, we are here by the good graces of God. Like, thank God that we're going to be here. All right. Some people, they'll come to a, a church service the first time or a small group the first time, and instead of listening and being part of the vision, they'll start writing a new blueprint for us and be like, hey, I've got some ideas for you guys. And I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) Like, you think that we didn't think about this? Like, I I don't mean everything's perfect, but like you're just drawing something there. Like, I think it should look like this. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. (laughs) You guys. Acts chapter 15. Oh, I took way too long. All right. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch. I'm going to show you how the early church dealt with the conflict. If they got this wrong, Christianity stopped. ready? Unless you are circumcised... According to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So circumcision is... Dad, dad was circumcision? I told you to check your kids in. I told you. Okay. But this brought, you know, in the Jewish rites, circumcision was part of the people of God. This, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed. That's a word you've got to catch in the church. There's appointment. There's not like voting. They weren't voted like, hey, we feel good about these guys. They were appointed. God spoke a word. They went. They were appointed by leaders there, obviously, along with some other believers to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. That's a big deal. That word question. Don't people come to Pastor Aaron like with a statement like, hey, God told me to do this. What do you think? You just said that God told you to. i what do you want me to say? Like you don't want me to pray about it and see if it was God. Because I thought that that was her job. You know what I'm saying? It's a statement. Once you make a statement, you've made your mind up and you've told everybody God is on your team. Right? It's just how immature people make decisions that they think might be disagreed with. I'm like, no, you're in a family now. Like, you can get better counsel than that. Why don't we pray for it so that then you know when you move out, like, this was actually God, not just this idea that might be God or might not be. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and apostles and elders to whom they reported, you report to your bosses, Paul and Barnabas, Paul, who wrote half the New Testament by the spirit, reported everything God had done through them. So they're in this place where they're like, hey, God allowed us to do this stuff and he did it through us somehow. We don't really know how, but we're just going to tell you about it. They didn't come in with all these beliefs and statements and convictions. And then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. All the rights of Moses, they are required. I don't have time to get into that because the 10 commandments are still the 10 commandments and morality is still morality, but all the rights in and around sacrifice and all the things, um, uh, the apostles and elders met together to consider this question after much discussion, I think yelling, <laughs> yelling, because it got crazy. Peter got up and said, brothers, okay, some time ago, God made a choice. God made a choice. This is God's house. This is God's power. This is God resurrected Jesus. Made a choice that we're all just like dealing with and trying to facilitate among you, that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. He's like, hey, they did this before they followed any of the Jewish rites, because relationship comes before. Oh, and and when they finished talking about this, um, the whole assembly became quiet. Sorry, verse twelve, as they listened to Barnabas and Paul tell about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. I think that's better. Rather than come with ideas and try to jam God into them, why don't you just look at what God is actually doing and being like, oh, yeah. I'm not thinking about this right. Yeah. We've got to facilitate that. He's clearly doing that. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Listen, meaning at times people in church, you make up your mind about things, and it's tricky in church because you think God is on your team and God spoke to you. Maybe, maybe. He's saying, listen, open your ears up, everybody. Now, let me explain who James was. James was not uh, one of the original disciples. Not this James. This is the brother of Jesus. James wasn't even a believer while Jesus was alive. So this guy comes to the table after Jesus is resurrected because if your brother told you he was the son of God, he would have to resurrect himself before you would believe him. you are like, no, you're not. But he's a believer. In fact, he's kind of a newer believer than these other guys are. James is in charge of the Jerusalem. He's the pastor of the Jerusalem church in charge of the theology, what they believe. He goes and explains a bunch of things. And then he says, Peter is sitting there. You know, there's some like 3,000 people came to Jesus. He's a big deal. Paul is sitting there. I mean, there's no bigger deal than Paul. Barnabas, I mean, all these heavy hitters are there. And James is like, it is my judgment. What? It is my judgment. It's my job, my role, my responsibility. God speaks this to me. I need to pass this to you. Therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. He's like, okay, stay away from sexual immorality. That's going to kill you. Stay away from these other two things that you wouldn't even get because it's not part of our culture. And he's like, and get back out there and get back on mission. If this dispute continues and there's nobody there who can stand up and say, this is my judgment. Everybody else has given their things. Thank you. We love you. This is my judgment. Can we go out and fight this battle? Because we can't fight here. You're made to fight. If you don't fight the devil, you'll fight people in the church. My job is like, hey, that sword is not for your neighbor. That sword is for the enemy. Let's go and save some people. Here's a life preserver. Go out and help somebody. He made a decision, and because of his decision, the church mobilized and went out and reached... Nearly all of the known world at the time, this little group of people, because they had vision and they had anointing and God did all the rest. Is God calling you today? You came in with a blueprint for your life. Can I just be like, hey, the, the Bible is a better blueprint. It gives you everything that you want. Oh, it's hard. But it's clean. It's not confusing. The Lord will be with you. The Lord will give you the power to do anything that the Lord has asked you to do. I can't forgive. You can't. But the Lord can through you. I can't get over these things. You can't. The Lord can heal. The Lord can do anything. The Lord can heal depression. The Lord can heal your body. What if it doesn't happen? The Lord will still be good. And the Lord will still be God. And you'll be with Him. Can, can I just invite you? You need to get prayed for after and give your life to Jesus. And be like, I, Maybe you, you have, but you haven't. Like I've been living off this at the blueprint. I got, I just got a trade. And then and then if you're if you come in here with a church blueprint, can I just ask you like can I just take that from you and be like that's great. That built where you came from. But this is what we're building. This is what God showed us to do. You want to get involved with this? Can you grab a hammer? Cuz we can't build off of that blueprint. We got to build off the one that God it'll build a house that your family can be sheltered and find destiny. It'll do everything that you want it to. If we're good at anything, it is resurrection and getting people back in the fight.